0: Three things that uh, I believe are absolutely essential. They're non-negotiable. They're not up for debate. They absolutely, positively have to be in your life. If you want to be a healthy Christian, um, you all probably can think of a person or two that you see walking, uh, breathing air, the same air you're breathing. Uh, But just because they're alive doesn't mean they're healthy. And just because somebody is a Christian or attends church or claims faith in God, does that mean they're healthy? No, not necessarily. There's some positive things. One, they're alive. You know, as the Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 9, I believe it is that a living dog is better than a dead lion. You know, it's better to be even as sad of a state as like a poor little mangy mutt that's like, you know, maybe not the most attractive or desirable. It's better to be a living dog than a dead lion. And so uh, the good thing is that if you have unhealthy habits as a Christian and you got breath in your lungs, they can be fixed. It's not an impossible situation. And the adversary, the devil, he he prays, he takes advantage upon people that basically have bought into the uh, idea that there's nothing I can do. What's the use? You know, the church is supposed to pray, but the enemy prays, too. But that's a totally different praying he prays on the weak. He prays on the vulnerable. And what happens? This is very important to to realize about the prayer. Our prayer lives as we start talking about mainly about prayer last week, and we we'll probably focus the majority of the time about prayer today. Is that when you are consistently praying, you can live in the right frame of mind. But if you're inconsistently praying, you will have a wavering mind. You can have an unhealthy mind and you are vulnerable to the adversary. That's why the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10 verses 3 through 5 that, you know, though we walk in the flesh you know, we do not war after the flesh for the weapons of our warfare, are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. That's the first stronghold that is listed is imaginations. And then it says every high thought that a uh, high thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. And then it says, bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And so it's very important that we fight for that fight, that battle for daily prayer, as Joe Campatella mentioned uh, two years ago, if we don't fight the battle for daily prayer, we will fight a thousand other battles that we were never ever meant to fight at all. But if we are not praying, then the enemy can prey on our mind. He can't kill you. Uh, if, if he could kill you in your lost state, that because all of us at some point were in a lost state. And we're not even talking about 10 years ago, probably in the past 10 months, there was a segment of your life that you were weak in the faith. And God forbid, if the rapture would have came, you could have missed it. Uh, And so the enemy, if he knows when we're lost, he knows when we're weak. And if he could take us out, he'd take us out just like that. But he cannot. The only thing he could do is take you out with your permission or with your consent and, or if you know if you basically expose yourself to particular environments, and all that kind of stuff. And we're not getting details there. But basically, if he could convince you in your mind, then he could take you out. He could take you down. And that's where, like, suicide comes in uh, because the devil, he can't kill you. But if he could be in your mind and keep convincing you and keep talking to you and get you depressed and get you discouraged and get you defeated – then you'll do his bidding for him. You'll take on that spirit, and you'll kill yourself. And so it's very important that we don't commit spiritual suicide. we got to stay healthy. And this is why, you know, pastor sounds like a broken record all the time about prayer. Prayer is the foremost thing that we have to have every day in our lives if we are to be healthy. Just because we're breathing air and walking on this earth does not mean we're a healthy person. Just because we come to church, carry around a Bible, and we got, you know, Christian paraphernalia on our car, bumper stickers or something, that doesn't mean we're a healthy Christian. And so we want to be a healthy Christian. And so constantly monitor your prayer life. And last week we talked about if you want to be successful tomorrow, you got to plan today. And so p- pick a time and pick a place. If you don't have a time set and you don't have a destiny a, a, a destination, a place, a geographical location, the statistical probability of you having a consistent healthy prayer life is drastically re- reduced. It doesn't mean you can't have one. I'm just saying statistically, the likelihood it's not going to happen because we're talking about a habit. We're talking about a routine. Just like probably every morning, you guys have very similar breakfast. You probably like walk the very similar route. You wake up, you, you know, whether it's going to the bathroom first or whether it's going, you know, to the kitchen first or whether it's going to wake up your kids first, whatever it is, we all have a pretty consistent routine. And that routine helps gauge you in, in that, that, that haze you are in in the morning, wiping out all the eye crust and all that kind of stuff. If you can make prayer a habit, but more than a habit, obviously, more than a routine, obviously, but if you have something that is your guide, that is your handrail, it will help you on the path of where you would like to be. And so prayer, once more, I'll just say it, and then we'll move forward here, is that if, if you are not consistently praying, you will have an unhealthy mind and the enemy can work through your mind. If it is not a daily place of prayer in your life. And I I think a very optimal goal to be at is to be praying an hour a day in a single setting. But obviously that can be very overwhelming or difficult for some people to register uh, when they begin their prayer life to go into a depth. And so I would recommend that first phase to make it a 10, 15 minute segment of uninterrupted, giving God your undivided attention. If you ever want to get God's attention, the key to get God's attention is to give him your undivided attention. Because if you've ever had a conversation with somebody, and they're, they're looking around or they're on their phone. Like there's, there's not much, you don't really want to talk with that person. You realize they're not engaged with you. You realize they're not really fully invested in the conversation. Anyone ever been in a moment like that? You're, you know, whether you're at a a camp, a conference or even in school or at work and you're talking to someone the whole time, they're kind of looking around you, they're looking past you. And it's like, you've already, you're like, well, what's, and you can just ramble anything and they don't know the difference, whether you're making fun of their mother or what, uh, because they're not even paying attention. So the same thing with God, give God your full undivided attention. And as a, as a young family, you know, if you happen to be in a young family setting, uh, this is why it's important to get up before your kids, because if you don't get up before your kids, uh, your kids are going to take all your attention. It's going to be very difficult to give God that 15 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour of undivided attention because your kid's pulling on your coattail and they want cereal and now they got to go use the potty and now they got to do this, that, and the other. And to our flesh, we're aggravated because our kids already, you know, sap all our virtue anyways. And so we would like that extra 30 minutes of sleep. We would like that extra 45 minutes of sleep. But here's what I've learned is that, Forty five minutes of prayer versus forty five minutes of extra sleep, somehow, some way, the remainder of my day, I find more strength and more virtue that I got from that spiritual rest than I did from the natural rest. Because if we do not take care of the spirit, the spirit is more real than the flesh. It's why it's why at a job, if you've ever worked in both arenas where you've worked physical construction and then you work like some uh, managerial type job uh, or or desk job. And I've, I've done both where I literally – I've been at a 90-pound jackhammer for 10 hours straight. got to pry my fingers off like a banana peel, you know, off that jackhammer. Completely soaked in sweat from head to toe. And I'm sore in the muscles, all that kind of stuff. And then I've done it where, you know, managing a store – And all of a sudden, you know, you have to do the payroll, you have to do the schedule, then you have to deal with employee confrontation. And I didn't lift nothing but like, you know, a a gallon of milk to pour into a cup, you know, and that was about the extent of my physical labor for the day. But I was more drained at the end of the day through the mental arena than I was the physical arena. And so we think if I get more physical sleep, I'm going to feel better. And there is, there is truth to that, obviously. There is science to that, obviously. But the reality is there's so much going on in the spirit that affects the physical, that affects the natural. And if we would ever take care of the spiritual area, you will find out the natural arena of your world Will be healthier. Will be more productive. Will feel better. But the enemy or your flesh is going to tell you, "No, no, no. I, I'd like to pray, but I need to sleep. I, I like to pray, but I, I, I need to rest some more. I need to take care of these things." But my, 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 my experience, and you know, I'm, I'm 35 years old, going on 36 this March, and, uh, but in that short span of time, I have learned that if I will just simply discipline myself to pray. Discipline myself to get to that prayer closet. And this is uh, uh, an example uh, of what Jesus uh, painted here when he says, enter into thy closet to pray in in a closet. It is completely secluded. No external elements seeing your wardrobe. And so that's what your prayer life has to be. It has to be in privacy. It has to be in solitude where nothing on the outside is in. But you and God, and if you could block it, it's just like the tabernacle in the Old Testament. When the priest would get into the holy place, everything on the outside was blocked. That sun that was beating down on him, that sun that was draining them from outside of the, or the wind and all that stuff is all blocked. The the smell of the out, uh, all the things outside of the camp, but in the inside it was a sweet smelling ins- altar of incense. On the inside was beautiful uh, uh, tapestry. It was just is a wonderful environment to be in. And so it's not easy to get there, but if you can get there, you will find that sweet smelling savor you're looking for. You will find that strength and that sustenance that you need. And so I, I encourage you if, if last week your goal was to have this, you know, uh, your, uh, your prayer life, 15 minutes a day, 30 minutes a day, 45 minutes a day, an hour a day, whatever it was. And you, you you basically kept giving in to, you know, I just got to sleep in. I got to sleep. I got to go to bed early. I got to go to bed early. That's, that's not mocking you. That's not insulting you. That's not belittling the reality because we all feel the need, like, especially the older we get. You know, we, we like more naps. We like more sleep. We like more blankie time. We like all that stuff. I get it. You know, I'm, I'm human as well. But I have learned. That I find. Jesus said in the book of Matthew chapter eleven, uh, or uh, yeah, chapter eleven and verse twenty eight on down. That He says, "All you that are weary and heavy laden, come to Me. Take My yoke upon you and learn of Me, for My yoke is easy and My burden is light. He says, "I am the Lord of the Sabbath. I am that rest." And so, if you need Sabbath, it's in Jesus. And if you can get with Jesus in that closet of prayer, and so to be successful, you got to plan. To be successful tomorrow, plan today. Pick a time and pick a place. If you don't pick a time, if you don't pick a place, statistically, you drastically reduce the chance that you are actually going to pray a a very – productive, in-depth, emotionally invested prayer. And I recommend at minimum be praying 15 minutes a day if you are beginning. But if you've been at this for a while, you should be at least 30 minutes in a single setting with Jesus Christ uninterrupted. Don't have your phone in there. Don't have, you know, anything else in there, just you and Jesus Christ. And we talked about last week when you start off your day of prayer I think praying multiple times throughout the day is uh, important and it's biblical. You, you see three times a day. You see seven times a day. You see uh, those patterns in the Bible. But when I start off my morning prayer, and we talked about this last I'm not going to go through the entire thing again. But I started off in like a preparatory phase, knowing that I'm about to step out onto a football field. It's a full contact sport. So I need to be completely suited up. Because the devil is like a a, a linebacker ready to do a full-on blitz. And so I need to have my my helmet on. I need to have my pads on. I need to have my cleats on. I need to be ready for this full contact war that we are in when we step out into the world. And so uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 12 through 20 is a perfect portion of Scripture for you to pray through personalize it and so you know it lists all the pieces of armor the belt of truth the breastplate of righteousness feet shall with the preparation the gospel of peace the shield of faith uh, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of god and i take my time and i pray through each one of those and in application to my day and so when i when my day starts i'm suited up i'm ready to go and then when i pray a second time in the day in the afternoon I'm praying more supplications. I'm submitting needs to God for, for you know, the church, uh, people in this church, my neighbors, uh, people in this state, missionaries, whatever it is. Then I go through topics. And what I encourage you to do is, you know, is, you know, write down a list, you know, that, that, uh, Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday, whatever, and, and pick topics for each day that you're going to pray. That will help keep you productive and moving. So on Monday, you pray for uh, uh, family. On Tuesday, pray for friends. On Wednesday, pray for enemies. And that sounds crazy, but Jesus said to do it. He said to do it. I it. One of my Bibles that I have, I have a page. I can't tell you which Bible because you might want to look through my page and see if you ever made it on there. But I, I had a list of people I did not like uh, or that did not like me and that I had beef with and problems with. And so um, and I basically began to pray with them. And then over time, one by one, checked off. We're friends now. We're friends now. God healed the relationship. God reconciled it. And so that's the power of intentionally doing it. We put a lot of time and effort into a lot of things. And he, I, I was reading through a book recently on prayer, and, and the author stated this. with The little amount of time that we pray, we should make it count. And, and and this this guy who was saying it he was he prays hours a day, but th- the truth is the hours a day that he prays is still minimal to the rest of the day. If you're praying three hours a day, that's still a small fragment of your day. That's barely you know a a, a tenth of your day. You know, and so it's still. A, but we would all think, wow, three hours a day. That's incredible. Uh, And and it is incredible. I mean, you can't pray 24 hours a day, every day. You got to deal with life and society and all that kind of stuff. But say if you're praying an hour a day or say you're praying 30 minutes a day, that's that small window of time. You should put as much investment into that small amount of time because that investment has huge return. It pays dividends it will overflow back into your life. And so this is why we should... We shouldn't be so fast. Oh yeah, prayer. Okay. Oh, he's going to talk about prayer again. I maybe I won't show up next week because you know the first segment's going to be about prayer again. This is how po- important and powerful prayer is. If we could ever become experts at prayer, if we could ever become dis- disciples of prayer, if we could ever practice and live out prayer, then you won't roll your eyes about prayer. Then you won't yawn about prayer. Then you won't keep missing prayer. Then it won't be a you know here and there kind of thing. You will find the power of prayer. And I've been at this for a few years in prayer. And it still gets more and more exciting to me. And I, I practice different ways and I learn new ways to pray and I'm studying and I'm applying things and it gets more increasingly exciting to see how God can work in prayer. And so everyone say prayer. I handed out uh, to you a, a prayer will, uh, uh, that, you should have, if you don't have it, just lift, raise your hand and we'll make sure you get one. And most of you have seen it, but uh, I have just been trying to hand out resources here these past couple weeks. Uh, the beginning of the year is a perfect time for us to get back into our, our routine. Um, you know, basically we're, we're resetting the calendar year and this is a good time to set some routines in our life that are healthy habits for us to have going on. And so if you look at that, I'll just walk through a couple of things on there with you. And um, encourage you to, to use this as a model. It's not the only way to pray. It's not the, uh, uh, the the master grand sensei way to pray or something like that. It's just a biblical model and format that could help you. And if you walk into prayer and, and you have no notes, you've never done it before, you've never been really strong at it before, and you're just going to try prayer tomorrow, and you, you just it's just never really been a strong part of your life, You're probably not going to have successful prayer for an, uh, for an enduring time for the days, weeks, and months to come. Usually when you're beginning, you, what do you do when you get on a bike? You, You know, you don't, you're not on a bike with two wheels right away. You typically have training wheels, you know, you're not up and walking right away or running right away. You, you crawl. And so things like this, like I have this pretty much, you know, internalized in me. Uh, but if you don't have something like this internalizing, you need to, you need to have that guide. So what I look at this like is if you are going uh, – you want to get to a mountain peak. And if you've ever been hiking somewhere, typically – Uh, These designated areas have trails and the trails are marked. They have, you know, sticks or stones and there's like a dirt pathway to keep you on trail to get where. Now, there's other ways you can get to the peak of the mountain, but these are tried proven ways, especially for someone that is unfamiliar with the mountain, unfamiliar with the area. You know, if you stay on this trail, this is where it's going to take you. And so that's what I look at this. This is like a trail. This is a handrails on a pathway. Because if you just walk into and think, okay, pastor said to pray, so I'm going to pray. Here I am Monday. Hi, God. Um Jesus' name, amen. You know, it, you don't, your mind just kind of, it's just open. It's free. It just kind of doesn't know what to do. Um, but if, and if that's where you're at, this is where it's care, walking into the prayer room, walking into your prayer closet with something in front of you to guide you is going to help you. Now, obviously... This is, you don't have to stick to this a hundred percent because if the spirit starts working on you and you start praying, do what the spirit's doing, but, you know, go in with a plan. And, and, and I know like, you know, we kind of like maybe that free hippie spirit, you know, like, dude, bro, like, you know, don't like quench the spirit. Let Christ lead you, man. Well, that, that sounds nice, but God is very methodical. God's very OCD. God's got a a lot of patterns in scripture, you know, because people, a lot of times they'll drop the example of the tabernacle, the wilderness. Yeah, they just, you know, they followed the cloud and they followed the the pillar of fire. It wasn't about structure. No, it was very structured because every single person of every single tribe had a very detail oriented, specific responsibility that they were accountable for because that cloud was going to lift the fire was going to lift and the moment it lifted people were not in pandemonium oh my goodness whatever you the cloud lifted the cloud lifted oh my goodness someone get the dishes someone get the... no everybody had a very specific task when the cloud lifted and so when the cloud lifted and all the priests there was there was uh uh different uh, tribes within the Levitical priesthood that were responsible. Some were responsible for the poles. Some people were responsible for the altar. Some people were responsible for the curtains. Some people, you see what I'm saying? Everybody had a sign task. So they, they, they had a plan going into it. All right. And then when the spirit set down, they had a way to set up the tabernacle because the, the, the cloud settled here. And so that's what this is. This is a plan. This is so, you know, you want to go where the cloud is. You want to go where the fire is. And a lot of times you'll find the fire. You'll find the cloud. If God sees that you are putting effort, attention, investment in prayer, do you think God's going to like ignore that? Or do you think God's going to like meet you where you've been planning? You know, if if God sees like you, you are planning tomorrow, Jesus. I can't wait to six o'clock tomorrow morning. I'm gonna I'm gonna meet you. It's 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 my date with you. It's my one on one time with you. I, no one else is gonna be in there, Jesus. Just you and me. I love you so much. I'm, I'm not gonna bring my phone in there, Jesus. I just want to talk to you, Jesus. I just I, I want I want to feel your presence, Jesus. I want to hear from you, God. I want you to talk. And you plan that today. I I think that makes tomorrow more exciting. I know we're not promised tomorrow. We understand that, but if we let God see today that we're serious about if he permits us to live tomorrow and this is what we commit to him tomorrow. And then we let our yay be yay and our nay nay. And we actually show up for that commitment. See, that's the thing when you, we all have probably a friend, a family member that they'll make a commitment and they don't follow through. And then like, you know, it's so frustrating and it, it's just empty words when they tell you, yeah, yeah, mom, yeah, dad, I'll, I'll be there. You know, I'll be there early. I'll be there at such and such time. I'll be there at such and such place. And you're like, Oh, Okay, yeah, yeah, and you already make other plans because you know they're probably not going to be there anyway. So you have something in place for their lack of preparation and follow through. Same thing with God. God knows how serious we really are, and so we. Oh yeah, yeah, I'll pray tomorrow. But if we all of a sit down and say, you know what? This is the tool pastor uh, handed out. I've never used this before. I got it, but, you know, I ended up in the trash or I used it for a paper airplane. I, you know, I made spit wads during service the other week with these, you know, and, and so, uh, but he sees that you do something different this time and you actually map it, plan it. You got a time, you got a place. I, I promise you this. God will be there. God will show up there. And then all of a sudden when you are there and you start talking to him. Things begin to happen. So let's just kind of go through this guideline real fast. This is just a a goal if you want to pray thirty minutes. Now you could change you, if you see each piece of this this uh, if you want to call it a pie or clock is allotted five minutes. And if you did each of those sections, there are six of them for five minutes. You'll pray for thirty minutes. Well, you could do each section for one minute. If thirty minutes seems so crazy, you never prayed before, and uh, and that's six minutes. That's six minutes more than you prayed before. That's a win. Uh, but next week, you know, say, you know, I want to try two minutes each section. Then that's 12 minutes, three minutes each section. That's 18 minutes, so on, and so forth. If you can keep doing your multiplication after that, but a good way, what I recommend to do if you've never done it is, is start off with Thanksgiving. Don't come into the prayer room, just making demands to God. Come to the prayer room, showing how much you appreciate him, how wonderful he is. How awesome he is! And read through these verses. Each section, I have some verses you can read through if you'd like to. Like Psalm 100, and uh, verse four simply says, "Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise." And so when I read that verse, like this is what that verse it, first it gives me instruction, but two, this is how I'll pray it. I'll say, God, I, I today I enter into your gates with thanksgiving. I enter into your property today, God, with thanksgiving. Lord, all of the earth is yours in the fullness there of the world and they that dwell there. In God, I am here and I want you to know I am thankful. It's just taking a concept from a verse and interjecting your person into it, your thought into it, bringing the word to life. The word is alive, but make it alive for you and begin to voice, bring voice into the word of God, declare the word of God. The word of God is anointed Hebrews 4.12, you know, the word of God, quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing of soul and spirit, uh, joints of the marrow, etc And so that's how powerful it is. And so we are up against the enemy. And if you start quoting the word, you could strike down the enemy, that opposition with the word. But anyways, I enter in with thanksgiving. I just worship God. I adore him. I praise him. I should tell him how much I love him. And, you know, there's times I'll spend 30 minutes right there. There's times I'll spend an hour right there because there's if there's a a lacking in prayer and in people this day and hour is is thankfulness, appreciation. You know, just like think about the youth coming up and how often you hear youth, you know, actually say thank you. Huh? they actually appreciate you. If you're a teacher, if you're a worker, you know, and, and you service, you know, whatever, and you take care of, how often do you hear people genuinely give you gratitude? Usually they'll always come to you with complaints, frustrations, pointing the fingers, accusations, but thankfulness. And why would God want to keep answering our prayers? If we never come back with a thank you, I want God to know how thankful and appreciative I am. And you can easily, and I say this often, uh, when teaching on prayer is I, I go through the elements of my body of oh God. I have eyes. There are people that are born without sight and I have two eyes and I can see. There's people that were born with two eyes and they lost their sight. But, God, I thank you I could see. God, I have two ears and I can hear. Lord, I woke up, I might have a backache today, but, God, I have ears that hear. I have eyes to see. God, I have a mouth with the ability to speak. I have a tongue that I could taste. I could enjoy different varieties of food. God, I thank you, Jesus, that I even have food. I have food in my fridge. I I can choose what kind of food I want. Lord, I thank you that I have a roof over my head. God, I thank you I have two legs. I can walk. I have two arms. I I I could use them. I could pick up. I I have mobility. God, I think I have a a mind and I can reason. I can ration out. You start doing that. All the pity parties that we are so prone to do, they can begin to fade away. If our thanks would be magnified to God and begin to tell him how thankful we are, how appreciative we are. And I'm telling you, you, it doesn't take long when you are thankful before you can actually have a, a sense of the presence of God. Or at least a sense of an appreciation of God. Even if he doesn't let me feel his presence in this 30 minutes, I want him to know I appreciate everything that he has given me. And God, here, here's the thing about God, you know, we all have maybe different love languages. You know, some people are more, you know, touchy-feely. Some are more, you know, verbal affirmation. Some, you know, are more gifts and all that. God loves affection. God loves Verbal affection. God, lo- you know, what did, uh, Jesus called John, the uh, the disciple, John, the beloved. What was John always doing? He's always setting his his head against the heart of Jesus Christ, resting on him. He's always near him. And Jesus says, that's that's the one I love. And every time Jesus was doing something that was like, you know, uh, a strategic elite that was more advanced. There was always Peter, James and John. They were always nearby. It's not that Jesus, you know, was a jerk and he uh, picked a click out of the 12. But out of the 12, there were three that something clicked with them. Something about Jesus. And they, they showed affection. They made effort. They made approach. And all of a sudden, more happens with those three than the other guys. And so it's very important that that's what we do. Start off with Thanksgiving. Next, Repent. Ask God for forgiveness. There's some verses there that you could begin to pray. You know, Proverbs 28:13 says, "He that covers his sins will not prosper, but whosoever confesses them and forsakes them shall have mercy." So I'll I'll pray that God. I know that if I do not confess my sins. I'm not going to prosper, Lord. I'm not going to make it to heaven. But Jesus, today I confess my sins. I admit, I acknowledge you, God. I am struggling with arrogance. God, I acknowledge you that I, I wasn't very forthright with that person. I, I was a little manipulative. I was a little deceptive with my speech. God, I'm sorry I, I was gossiping. I, I talked behind someone's back. God, I'm sorry I attacked somebody on social media. I, that was stupid of me. I should never do that, God. That's, that's, that's not good. God, you begin to do that. And admit to God, don't 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 try to cover up for yourself, Reveal. if you ever want revelation from God, that's what revel it is an unveiling. It is a revealing God doesn't reveal to those who won't reveal themselves. They won't expose themselves. It's relationship It's mutual. And so when you begin to open yourself up to Jesus and show him all your flaws, your imperfections, your faults, your shortcomings, that's not going to see what we're used to is if we show somebody our, our inferiorities and our shortcomings, then they're not going to want to date us. They're not going to want to be around us. They're not going to want to hire us. They're not going to want to promote us. You know, but that's not like that with Jesus. Jesus wants you to be real and transparent and show your weakness and show your vulnerability and admit and acknowledge your mistakes. And when you do that, the Bible says God is drawn to that. It says in the book of Psalm 51 verses 10 on down, when you're talking about creating me a clean heart, Oh God, renew a right spirit within me. It says a broken and a contrite heart. God will not despise. Meaning when you are completely vulnerable, transparent and expose. God can't resist that. God is drawn to that. And so when I, when I'm in that mode, I, I, and I definitely, I, I, it's, it's a lot more enjoyable when it's just me and God, which is still not more enjoyable because it's still embarrassing, but it is a, it is a, a moment man where God, he just, he pulls me up. He picks me up. He brings me back. And all of a sudden I, I almost, and I, I do, I enter back into that realm of thanksgiving. Because I know he just took my sins away. He forgave me. And I don't just admit my sins to God. I commit that I'm going to walk away from those sins. And that's what repentance is. Some people will tell Jesus they're wrong. And they know they're wrong. But they have no intention at all of changing their wrong. That God is not into. God's not for that. He wants you to acknowledge it. But you read Proverbs 28, 13. He that confesses his sins and forsakes them will find mercy. And so this is how you find mercy, is that you, fi- you find your sin, you acknowledge it, and then you forsake it, and boom, God will forgive you. And then after that, Philippians 4, 6, that's when in everything by prayer, make your petitions, make your requests made known unto God, and read through that. And so I, I, I begin to make every petition request. There's nothing too big. There's nothing too small. God is interested in it all. God wants any little detail of your life. I mean, I prayed for... uh, I this sounds stupid to you. That's that's fine. it was my foot. You know, it was real to me. I had a wart on the bottom of my foot, a corn, whatever you want to call it. That thing bothered me for two years and maybe even three years. I mean, it was it was was painful. It was uncomfortable. I did everything I could do. And I kept praying and praying and praying. And and at the same time, also trying to do some healthy things for it and all that kind of stuff. But God finally took the thing away. And so I'm thankful for that. I'm very thankful for that. My wife, she had a cyst on her on her uh, wrist. We prayed for that for, for a couple of years nonstop. It just didn't seem to go away, but we kept praying and praying. And, I mean, my wife still functions. She was still healthy. I mean, there's people that have more severe situations in their life where they're confined to a bed, confined to a wheelchair. But that doesn't mean I can't pray about something. Don't say, well, you know, it's no big deal. There's people who go through a lot worse. Yes, that's true. But you can still bring it to him. You can still talk to him about it. And for you to talk about the nth degree of the minimal in your life that seems so trivial is communicating something to God. It's you telling God, I think you really care about me that much to know about this in my life. And I want you to know about this area in my life. And I want to talk to you about this area in my life. And what's interesting, the smallest areas of our life that we keep private and we don't share with nobody Really, are the biggest entrances into relationship. Just the little things, the little nuances that know. That's what makes my wife and I. Our marriage is, is is. There's a lot of things that make our marriage, you know, different than my relationship with you and her relationship with you. It's just there's just things about my wife you don't know about, and they're very small. The, nobody knows. It. And there's things about my life nobody knows, but my wife does. And that's the beauty of. Treating this thing called prayer that is such a minimal part of our lives because you're only praying. The average person, you know, it's only it's only sixty uh, percent of people are praying daily that are Christian, and the people that are Christian are praying an average of fifteen minutes, and the rest of the people are barely praying at all, if not at all. And so, this very small amount of time that we are given to God, we need to make the most of it. We need we need to t- we need to invest in it. We need to develop it. We need to build it, especially since supposedly we all believe that you know. This is real. Supposedly, we, we all believe Jesus is the greatest thing in the entire world. Supposedly, we, we expect to spend our eternity with him. And yet, we'll spend so much, a little time with him in this temporal world. And so, we, if we would make more and invest more and think more and put more emotional investment into this uh, and, and intellectual investment, in this, you will, you will f- reap the benefits of it. Because you can't, you can't put quality time into something and not get quality output. You know, it's just, uh, off time I had an example, you know, Troy working with engines. You know, if he was just so casual and dismissive with some sort of engine, he might get the job done faster. He may pump out a bunch of stuff, but it's going to show down the road. But if you put forth time and effort and detail into that engine, into that, that, that area, arena of your life, down the road you will see the benefits of the investment of the learning of it and so that's the power of prayer if you this thing that is so small in our lives if we put more into it you would see more in your life and it would be fantastic and you could actually live overcoming and you can say this is boasting, but look, I'm just saying I, I, I haven't drank alcohol. I've been fr- God set me free from it going on 18 years. I haven't cussed in 18 years. And it's not self-righteousness. That's not like, me better than anyone. I'm just saying there's this, there's things God can totally set you free from that. You continually are struggling with right now, but it will not happen until you invest in this thing called prayer. So bring your needs to God, no matter how small they are next uh, on this prayer wheel. Ask God to show you his will for you. Uh, Ask God to reveal things to you. He'll do it. He'll totally, absolutely do it. But when you ask him to show his will, ask him to show what you must change. Because just because God has a will for your life, that's not a guarantee it's going to happen in your life. Well, God, he called me into the ministry. God called me to be a whatever. You know, you just because it's it's a a, a prophecy, it's not a promise that it's going to be fulfilled through procrastination. There's going to have to be some diligence and some effort in your life. And so ask God, Okay, God, this is this is where you want to take me. This is what you want me to do. But, Lord, I'm over here still. What needs to be tweaked? What needs to be adjusted? Yeah, you may feel like God's called you to do some jail ministry, some outreach ministry, some uh, start some business, whatever, but you've got to take care of some business right here, right now in your life. It's, you're not going to leapfrog the process. And so prayer is a beautiful arena where God can begin to tell you, okay, this is your next step. Every promise has a next step before you get to the promise. So ask God, what's my next step? Show me what's my next step. Reveal it to me, and He will do it. Next, I uh, begin to pray uh, for God to bless and protect the church and pastor. I know you—you you might think my wife and I—we in this church, there's no problems, no issues, no drama, no stress, no anxiety. Well, I'm uh, sorry, to let the cat out of the bag. Um, but I, we go through stuff, and man, we we covet your prayers. And the apostle Paul, he asked for prayers when we talk about the armor prayer, Ephesians chapter six, verses twelve through twenty. He says, "Pray for me." I need you to pray for me. I need you to help me. And so pray for your pastor. Pray for your church. And, and God will uh, uh, bless that. You know, if you pray blessings uh, on the man of God in your life, the pastor of your life, you know, because, you know, I'll I'll, I'll do a lot of the talking on Sundays. I do a lot of the, the delivery, you know. Well, if, if you want a better delivery, you know, pray for the deliverer. Pray for the one speaking. And then God can give you a word. God can help you. You know, if you have that. Uh, emotional investment in the church. And we would do well if we become a people that start taking uh, ownership in the church. And that's the power of praying for the church and praying for the pastor and ministry of the church is as you start getting invested. Um, If 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 you go through seven days, you know, a whole week and you haven't thought about this day at all. Something's off. OK, something's off. I'm not slamming, damning, condemning you. It just means that you're 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 a. A, um, uh, uh, a recipient, you're not a contributor. And I, I'm not against people coming here and receiving, but I don't want to just receive. I want to contribute. I don't want to just inherit. I want to invest. And so when you begin to pray for the church, you begin to become more of the DNA of the church, the hands and the feet of the church and that's what God wants is that all of a sudden you start taking a personal ownership and investment in the church. And lastly, listen for the voice of God and uh, take time. And when, when, when you pray, and I, I think we talked about this last week, if not, I'll just mention it real fast. When you pray, pray aloud. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Praying is not the same as meditating. Meditating is not the same as praying. Both are biblical Both are needful, but you have to be vocal in prayer. It's 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 absolutely essential to be vocal in prayer. And so um, but in this 30 minutes of prayer, one hour of prayer, whatever your goal is that you make from this chart. Have a segment of that time where you're not doing this, you're doing this, but make sure you are thinking on God and listening for God. It's very important. Uh, the, the problem with silent people is they're never vocal. And the problem with vocal people is they're never silent. And so we, we need to, you need to have both of those things in your prayer time. And so it's very important. And then after you, you sense that, you feel that, by faith, thank God. Nothing externally may change. M- nothing may seem to alter. But that is when we need to begin to thank God. We'll stand together. We'll say a prayer and we'll dismiss uh, for our break. Uh, and we'll reconvene up here at 11 o'clock. Downstairs we'll have some, some uh, some little breakfast food items, some coffee, and you can visit fellowship. But eleven o'clock we'll be up back up here for praise and worship in the Word. Jesus, we love you. We thank you so much for your Word. We thank you so much for your truth. Speak to us, God. Talk to us. But Lord, at the same time, Lord, I pray we speak to you. I pray we talk to you, God. I pray it's dialogue. I pray that we hear you, and I pray you hear us. And I pray, Jesus, that we are successful tomorrow by planning today, preparing to have a time and a place of prayer tomorrow. In the name of the Lord, Jesus Christ, we pray.